Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Untying Knots. This is Perry Clark here with you, licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I want to start off with the classic reminders that this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. It is for entertainment and educational purposes. I strongly recommend seeking a therapist in your area who can work with you on your unique issues. So today I have an interesting little treat for you guys uh, who we're going to be talking to, as it was... um, I think I actually was in your training when uh, back in uh, earlier the, at the end of last year, uh, someone who had just recently had started training in brain spotting and, uh, and we have a myriad of people coming through there. So it's not always something where you, you see an interesting name, but you don't exactly make the connections just then. And after joining the group, they had made a post about a particular book, which I happen to also have. And when I confirmed that these two people were the same, it's like, oh, we must speak because this is a fellow, not just therapist, fellow black person, but a fellow geek at their core as well. And this is like, this is a perfect person to have on here. And so this illustrious person is Mercedes Samudio. Uh, is, is Mercedes is a licensed clinical social worker, best-selling author, international speaker, and visionary inter- entrepreneur. She works with parents around the world in developing healthy parental I- identities with their revolutionary parental identity development model and incorporates her shame-proof parenting philosophy to help reduce the shame parents experience as they raise healthy children. Mercedes is also trained in is trained in trauma informed modalities, which which the which she uses in her work with her parents to help them heal the past traumas that can influence the way parents interact with themselves and their children. Outside of her perf- professional life supporting parents, Mercedes is married to her best friend and soulmate, and they live in sunny Southern California with their furry kids, two cats and a dog. And you can learn more about her at. Uh, at shameproofparenting.com. Mercedes, welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. So as always, how did you get here? I love that question because I think when you told my bio, I was listening to it. I'm like, is that me? I'm cool. (laughs) You know, Um, but I think I got here. If I can just like sum it up in one word is I got here because I was supposed to be here. I think Mm -hmm. I have been doing, as you mentioned, brain spotting. And so sitting in those trainings and sitting in my own therapy, I just realized that despite everything, this is where I'm supposed to be and this is who I'm supposed to be. And so I feel like I got here because this is where I'm supposed to be. I have to be here right now today doing the things that I'm doing, working with the clients that I'm working with, being the person that I am. And so I think I just got here by continuing to follow along with whatever mm-hmm. spiritual path has led me here today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. I'd say that as like, that's how I got here. I'm supposed to be here and everything that's happened to me or happened with me or happened alongside of me was supposed to happen. So I could be here today as I am. Lovely. So for those interested, and I said, I had to check the book to make sure I was matching up these names. The book that I'm talking about was the one that came out during this, period of the pandemic, known as Why Wakanda Matters. 
And you are one of the several authors whose work is included in this. So forgive me for saying that we want to start, I want to start there. It's like, how did you connect with that? And this is also edited by Sheena C. Howard, PhD. How did you finally get in there and what prompted you to create the particular piece that you did? Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's, I love that we get to talk about this. Um, So I, when Black Panther came out for me as a Black nerd, it was very affirming. Mm -hmm. I had so many people reaching out to me being like, do you know about this? This is your stuff. You like this. And for the first time, being a Black person who was sought out for their nerdiness was new for me. And so Mm -hmm. I did a podcast Yep, having one of those moments where the uh, need to refresh the lungs. As I sip on my green tea here. Sorry about that, but oh, it um, happens. It totally does. But I was on a podcast called Therapy for Black Girls by mm-hmm. Dr. Joy um, Harden, and she had me speak about. Black Panther, because she mm-hmm. knew as fellow colleagues that I was very much into this and that this movie was really transformative for me. And so in that podcast, we talked a lot about the psychology of it and why did this movie matter so much to Black people in general, mm-hmm. but also people like me who were Black nerds who for years had to see white counterparts be the heroes and the Black or people of color were always relegated to like sidekicks or love mm-hmm. interests. They didn't get to be the main Mm-hmm. And in Black Panther, every faucet of that society is a Black person. The mm-hmm. king, the queen, the leader of the military, their science department, you know, everything, even mm-hmm. the villain, mm-hmm. right, was a Black guy. And so as I talked about that in this podcast, <clears throat> I realized that I, for once I was really kind of showing up as this person. Mm-hmm. But that's how Dr. Howard found me. She re- listened to that podcast and reached out to me on Twitter interestingly enough, and mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm getting this book together. If you're interested, submit a proposal, and then we mm-hmm. can move from there. Mm-hmm. And as I thought about all of the different ways Black Panther would be thought about and written about and discussed, I thought, what's one angle of this no one's going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was what the title of the book became, you know, being what's considered an Oreo. Mm-hmm. Black on the outside, white on the inside, right? And that was a derogatory term that I had my whole life, you know, Likewise. being this right whitewashed black girl who was very into comics and nerdy stuff. And people were like, oh, you're so white, you're so white. And so I thought, no one talks about that because even sometimes in our own community, we're considered, you know, mm-hmm. ostracized and kind of weird. And so mm-hmm. I thought, I would definitely talk about this because I know that no one else will take this angle in this book. I submitted it. And of course, I was right. No one else talked about this angle in the book. And so, you know, here I am talking about it. And for those who are going to get your hands on the book, the chapter we're talking about is chapter six, which is the Oreo, the king, the Wakanda, why Black Panther, Black Panther shows us about why representation matters. Yeah. And this is actually a question I asked um, Tahia Baker, who's going to be for the podcast before this one, was an interesting question about why does it seem so hard for our culture to accept that this is a part of the culture? Yeah. Why does it seem so hard for them to grow the aspect, that aspect of we're adding another seat at the table? We're bringing in that lost member of the family, so to speak, 
that that struggle is that like this is actually a part of who we are as well. I agree. And I, you know, there's so many reasons why, but one, one of the reasons why, and I'll keep it in alignment with my chapters because we're not represented in those worlds. And mm-hmm. so when I always joke, and there's a little side note in, um, in the book where mm-hmm. I talk about Storm being the true leader of the X-Men. And it's mm-hmm. always a joke for me. Anytime I talk to anyone at X-Men, I'm like, they just put Scott up who is Cyclops because he's the white guy and he needs to be in the front. But we all know who the true leader is. Mm-hmm. And I've said that for years because that's what happens. Black people are on whole teams and in superhero movies, but we're always in the back. Mm-hmm. Right? I even think about something more recent where um, Sam Wilson, Falcon, who mm-hmm. is played by Anthony Mackie, is mm-hmm. an African-American actor. He's always been the sidekick in the Captain America franchise. And mm-hmm. if you are up to date, spoiler alert, with um, Cap- with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, he is now taking on the mantle of Captain America. And I remember reading a lot of the, um, the, the commentary around the series. And people were like, oh, it didn't stick the landing. Oh, it didn't stick the landing. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell everyone who's listening to this, whether you watch Captain America or know any of this, if you have Disney+, Plus. Go watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I would love to know why people think it didn't stick the landing, because I think it did. It mm-hmm. really showed us that we're about to start seeing Black people at the forefront of these franchises and of these spaces that might feel like, oh, this is white people. We're trying to jump into the white people space. But if you go back in the comments, Black people have been there. People of color mm-hmm. have been there. We were just relegated to stereotypes. Um, I look, I know that I am not in this community, but I look at Shang-Chi and I mm-hmm. think that's beautiful. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. They're not just relegated to being the wise old sage who helps the white man get on with his hero journey. They are the heroes. Mm-hmm. And so it's like one of those things where just like Black Panther, Shang-Chi did the same thing and said, we're not going to keep the minorities to the, you know, the back or they're just the sage, wise person, right? No, they are the heroes. They have a whole society and every faucet of their society is mm-hmm. populated by people who look like them, mm-hmm. right? And so I think for me, one of the reasons why it's so hard for our community as African-Americans to really embody and understand that nerd and, and comics are part of our culture is because it's not represented enough. It's not represented. And so, especially for people who are like my mom's age and my grandparents' age, they for sure only saw white people in heroes. There were no, you know, forefront, you know, heroes. And so to see Black Panther, which again, it's why I was so happy to, to dive into this, really have the forefront. I can't wait to see more. I can't mm-hmm. wait to have more of this. I can't wait for more. Um, I always say his name wrong, but I'm going to say it right. Mahaler Shalal. Um, Ali become uh, Blade. I can't, mm-hmm. I hope they redo Spawn. Like mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. things that I think mm-hmm. we've had in the past, mm-hmm. I low key hope that someone reaches out to Robert Townsend and we get an updated Meteor Man. I hope <laughs> someone, you know, reaches out to Damon Wayans and we get an updated Blank Man. Like I'm saying all these names, Meteor Man and Blank Man. And if you don't know who those are, go back in the 90s and watch them. But like, those two heroes had to come out because nobody was casting Black men as superheroes. And so Robert Townsend and Damon Wayans did their own thing. I say all this to say, I think what's really been a huge detriment in just the Black narrative experience is that we've been cut out from these stories. And now we're starting to be in these stories. And I think it's going to be such a beautiful mm-hmm. um, influence on the next generation of kids who get to see Black superheroes 
like billboards of black superheroes. Like, can you you remember the marketing campaign for Black Panther? Oh yes, like, yes I did. They were on the posters. Can you? I mean, just the. Can you imagine how you would have felt if you were a little kid and you had that? Very much so. Right? Very much. I so. mean, I'm an, a grown woman. I saw and I squeal every time I saw a Black Panther, you know, poster. And I'm a grown woman. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine growing up knowing that Black Panther is part of your nerd culture and your comics? Like it's part of it. Mm-hmm. Again, he was always there. It's just he wasn't at the forefront. No one right. was, you know, marketing and selling Black Panther until now. And so I love that. I love seeing that. Right. Oh, especially so I'm going on, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I can get that. I definitely and because I, I mean, as you men- mentioned, talking at Disney, the Disney on the Disney Plus channel, but equally, it's also going back and reading the comics themselves because this is where the vastness of the history, let alone the aspect of it was like before we finally got the visual movies aspects. I mean, Sam Wilson has been the Captain America for actually several years, and so what's the content that has also been in that written comic book media? One thought that also comes spark, sparking to mind was one of the particular, uh, this was probably in late 90s, early 2000s, where there came a point where um, Cap is with Sam and they're watching this, I guess, political movement going on and concerned about it. And suddenly realizing, Captain America is realizing, I can't send Sam in there undercover because it's an entirely white movement. Mm. Which also underlies not just him as a sidekick, but it's like, what risks was he taking in their missions that were so unsung? What risks were being taken by him doing the infiltration work as opposed to Cap coming in there and then busting down the door and it's the shiny aspects of all of that. That goes so unsung. Equally, uh, for those who have listened to the podcast, uh, talking with Demetrius Holt, who is AKA also known as Hellspawn Cosplay, talking about how he how the creation of the uh, He Soul, who in the entire Masters of the Universe franchise, as a black version or his black version of He Man, as well as what has come up with. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the director's name right now. The in this last year, the uh, Masters of Universe Revelation, where King Grayskull is a black man, the first ruler of Eternia. Yeah, I see that look on your face. You've got a show to go watch. I do now. I was like, okay, let's figure that out. Mm-hmm. We were not watching that yet, but hey, I think I'll watch it now. Yeah, I still need to watch the second half, but just that first half. It's like so much significance there, but all equally the significance of what Demetrius and I talked about, about that sense of realizing as he's realizing now, how much that was missing in the times we were growing up, what we were seeing as children of the eighties. Yep. Yep. And I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I even think about one of my biggest, um, like, you know, if if you want to go back into like the early two thousands and talk about like toxic fandom, right. Mm -hmm. I was so angry when they cast Holly Berry as Storm Mm -hmm. because I thought it was a miscast. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt at the time as many, you know, black people felt that the only reason why she got cast is because she was the most popular black actress, even though we had Iman, we had Angela Bassett, you know, we had such as, I mean, anybody Mm -hmm. could have done it, Mm -hmm. but they went with her. And the reason why I hate that is because I think that's also something that's happened to us in our culture where certain types 
of Black people are allowed to be exalted and put up, right? And so this idea, um, and I'll bring this back to, I was very enamored with Chadwick, you know, mm-hmm, rest in mm-hmm. health. Um, but one of the interviews I watched of him talking about Black Panther was how when he was doing the press junket, people mm-hmm. were asking him if he was the next Denzel or if it was Michael B. Jordan as the next Denzel. And he mm-hmm. got sick of that because he was like, I'm in a franchise where there are 10 men named Chris, mm-hmm. but I have to only be the next Denzel. Only me or Michael can be the ones who rise up out of this. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm very upset about that. And I won't let it happen because mm-hmm. there are multiple black men in this movie who should all be billed at top. It shouldn't just be Chadwick or Michael. And then one of mm-hmm. us gets to, and right. I say that to say, I think that's always happen in our community that even when we get a lead role it's like well are you the next Denzel instead of letting Denzel be Denzel and mm-hmm. Chadwick be Chadwick let it like each one of these men gets to be their own artist and their own identity mm-hmm. but in a franchise like Marvel where there are literally three lead Chris's Chris Hemsworth Chris Pratt and Chris Evans no mm-hmm. one asks them which of them is the Chris or who's going to be they just get to be and mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really important to talk about when we talk about our community in terms of representation that we're only allowed to have one at a time, right? We grew up with Denzel, right? He was the only right. one that in Holly Berry, right? But we know, you and I, Perry, know that there was a multitude and a myriad of wonderful actors in that period that just were not seen as the actor or the it person because mm-hmm. they didn't look a certain way or they wear their hair like mine or they had my skin color. And so, I think it's important too to realize that with representation comes this understanding that we're all shades. Some of us wear our hair a certain way. Some of us are different shades. Some of us are into science and tech and some of us are into war and some of us are into this. And I think that expansiveness is why I love the book, Why Wakanda Matters, because it's like, let's look at everything. Let's not just relegate people to this one monolithic stereotype, Mm -hmm. but let's let this be a full culture where everyone here is doing everything in their society. Mm -hmm. I think that was such a beautiful representation because outside of Wakanda, it's different. Right. Right. Outside of Wakanda, Black people are not the lead scientists, right? Outside of Wakanda, Black people are not over their own military. Outside of Wakanda, Black people are not respected and revered in this way. And so Wakanda kind of gets to become our little fantasy space. Like kids have always had Hogwarts or Narnia. Mm -hmm. Black kids now get to have Wakanda. Mm -hmm. They get to step into a wardrobe and go to Wakanda. They get to get a letter and go to a universe in Wakanda, like a university in Wakanda. Like that to me, I think is going to change the whole landscape of this genre. Mm -hmm. And I think of representation because now little kids get to grow up saying, huh, there's a Wakanda that's populated with black people. Oh, right. Whereas before we had was Narnia and Hogwarts and Mm -hmm. Middle Earth, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like all these places that had no space for us. So that brings up another interesting area, too, because there's also been a very large explosion of YA novels and creating other environments like what we see with, uh, and, I, and I apologize because with my dyslexia, I always screw up how to pronounce her, her name, Nidhi Ofenfor, with the yes. Akato series and yes. then the yeah. Binti series, as well okay. as I think um, a new one, which I haven't had a chance to read yet, yeah. uh, Noro. As such, or even that's one of her new ones that came out within this last year or so forth. Uh, So there's that. Then there's also what we see um, 
and I think there's a couple others. And again, my mind's immediately blanking now that I need to think about them. But even just looking at the quantity of UA of YA novels, which are the same thing that Harry Potter was, getting that recognition as being these are the places that are also encouraging children to read, encouraging people to have that place of I can be there too, or um, Amani, I believe it is one, or Amber and the, um, damn it. Sorry, I cussed. Um, I love it though. You're like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, the name's Amber, and I can't remember what the rest of the title is, but it's just like, look for that and YA novels and so forth as being materials where, again, we're, where we're encouraging that normalization of we can be the hero of the story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll throw out a couple that I've read over the past mm-hmm. uh, couple of years that have come up. So, uh, Tomi Adeyemi with Children mm-hmm. of Blood and Blown. Yes, got that one. Okay. Good it one. was running through my head. Right, right. And then uh, Justine Ireland, who did Dread Nation, and she has a second one too. But I love that one because on my reading I list. love zombie. I love zombie. <laughs> and so for those who are interested, uh, Dread Nation is about what if the zombie apocalypse happened during the Civil War and the slaves were tasked with being the forefront, like obviously would have been. And I love that because I was like, that's such a deep history to think if during the civil war, the zombie apocalypse happened, how would that have changed history? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're interested and get as someone who's, I love zombie movies. I love horror. I love mm-hmm. seeing that. I love seeing like black people being represented because before then, what do we have? Toni Morrison, Octavia Butler, mm-hmm. but like there wasn't this explosion of people talking about mysticism and horror and scary mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we have Stephen King, obviously, right? And those people. But what I'm loving is that Wakanda has done exactly what you just said. It said there are so many worlds that Black people inhabit, right? There are mm-hmm. so many powers and heroic things that we do, just like other groups of people. Mm-hmm. And so I love, like, t- uh, Tommy Adeyemi uses a lot of the African kind of tribal ideas to talk mm-hmm. about magic. You know, uh, Justine I- uh, Ireland uses a lot of the politicism of what the Civil War was to talk about, well, how would white people have used their slaves during a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And so I say this as, as we're getting into these conversations about not just comics, which honestly, Perry, I think we should help be best friends because I love your understanding of comics. Me and my husband do the same thing about <laughs> comics. We sit and talk about it. I will admit, I am more of the movies and TV shows person, right. while my husband holds more of the comics. Mm-hmm. When I get into comics, I'm more of a little bit of an obscure comic person. So I mm-hmm. like fables and saga. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the yeah, yeah, right. And yeah. so I say this because even between you and I, there's so much depth in how mm-hmm. we show up as nerds. Mm-hmm. And I think Wakanda said there is that depth. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Wakanda had, I mean, even when you look at Mbaku, who he had his own isolated, you know, isolated kind of tribe doing their own thing. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that Wakanda just said there are so many faucets and degrees to being black. And then now what you just said with that explosion of YA and mm-hmm. kind of fantasy novels, it's like, yeah, we, mm-hmm. yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we need more of that. So these kids will grow up with not just Harry Potter, they'll grow up with Children of Blood and Bone too. Mm-hmm. Right? And another one of those is also uh, A Blade So Black by L.L. McKinney, which is basically using the Alice in Wonderland material. And she's kind of the equivalent of, 
of a basically badass warrior who's fighting to protect people. I don't want to speak of the other series just because of some of the things that have happened in the material lately that has shined some light on the behaviors of the creator of that universe. Um, there's that. And that also being said, I would suggest if your husband hasn't also check out X-Men Red, which is a new one that's starting with, with Storm as the regent of Mars. Okay, well, that's also on my reading list. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank but, you. And, and equally, though, there, too, is the aspect of what you're also finding in the comic book venue. A new one I started, and I've already told my comic book strap to start getting for me, is called New Masters, mm -hmm. which is also a um, uh, post-contact with aliens, the way the world has shifted, mm -hmm. that is, appears to be focused on a Black group of uh, heroes is another one. So I'm looking forward to deeper reading of that. Um, another one I came across is called uh, Nettie's Nightmare uh, Blog. I've heard of that one. I do. Mm -hmm. I have heard of that one. And that one is definitely on like a reading list, but I am going to bother you, Perry, after this, and you're going to have to give me some of those. Because the LL one, the red, and the last one you just said, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. those are all ones I think I want to read. And so I will bug you after this and we will exchange reading lists. I'm excited. Thank you. <laughs> Very much so. I mean, I also got a list of stuff that I still haven't had a chance to listen to and or read. I agree. I I am sadly one of those that has collects books. I've got like three or four Same. stacks of books to still read. And that's not even covering the three to four stacks of comic books I've got to read. All while trying to do. I'll give you this, Perry. Mm -hmm. My husband is also a librarian. So I kind of have a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, completely understandable. But you know, I think that's a perfect place for us to take a break. Okay, I love it. So, I love it. hang in there, folks. We'll be back with more of Mercedes uh, here on Untying Knots. And just, we're going to be talking more about this stuff. And, you know, I think we're going to get also into how what we've talked about also gets into our work as therapists, too. So, hang in there. We'll be back shortly. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I'm here with Mercedes Salmudio, L LCSW, sorry. Uh, the, the joys of the brain farts that have been coming up this episode. <laughs> so we were just, uh, as everything we were just talking about, very much getting our, uh, our nerd and geek on and so forth and talking about the materials that we did. One of the other things that suddenly works its way also into the work we do as mental health people is also dealing with the idea of generational trauma and what we see in the issues of generational trauma with our 
geekdom and our work and what we're seeing here and what we're also trying to heal. So I'm going to just throw it to you. Take it where you like. Yeah, no, I think that's something that's really beautiful to talk about because of what we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to, to the, the break, which is because there's no representation, there isn't that rich of a history, right? Mm-hmm. And not saying that it's not there. It's just, you really have to dive in and, and dig into it. And I think one of the things that's happened with the comics is that Black people have been so excluded from it on the forefront, meaning mm-hmm. artists were writing and people were doing it, but those weren't the copies that were selling. Those weren't the copies that people were clamoring for. I think because of it, it's done within this fantasy world, the same thing that's happened to us everywhere else. We've just been completely written out of it, mm-hmm. right? We've been completely written out of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you look at generational trauma, that's how it happens, Right. People just get written off and then they continue on with their kids and they write their kids off and their kids feel that sense of, you know, dismissiveness and then they write their, and it just kind of keeps going. And then you look out into the world and the same thing is happening. Mm-hmm. Characters are getting written off. Black people are being relegated to the sidekick. You know, Black people aren't even showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about that. Like for decades, Black people weren't even in these movies. And if they were, they were the help, right? And so if in your life, all you're seeing is being dismissed, whether it's in your family or in your community. And then you're like, oh, well, I'll go to entertainment. And they're like, ha, 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 not there either. You, mm-hmm. you see that there's this parallel generational thing happening that not just within the Black family, there's generational things happening with abuse and oppression and the drugs that we were talking about kind of in the 80s, right, that mm-hmm. were kind of, you know, pumped into our communities. I don't mm-hmm. want to get into conspiracy theory, but, you know, right. there's some discussion about that. But then, in our media, the same thing was happening, right? Mm-hmm. I think about the 90s, how the thug and the gangster was a huge deal. That's how we were portrayed, mm-hmm. right? They weren't hyping up the Storms and the Black Panthers and the Sam Wilsons. They were hyping up the West Side, East, you know, the West East Coast stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about representation in the media, the fact that now we get King T'Challa's and Sam Wilson's who are Captain America's, we should have had that for decades because they've been in the comics for decades. And for me, that's that generational trauma. It's not just what's happening to us in our actual real lives. It's also even we try to escape. We're mm-hmm. being told these are the only archetypes we can have. You can be the sassy black girl or you can be the rough black dude. Mm-hmm. Anything else. Mm-hmm. We are not going to hype up for you. And I grew up with that in the night, right? 85. So in the 90s, mm-hmm. when I was a kid getting into music and getting into stuff, that's what was pumped into me. Mm-hmm. I was looking for other stuff. But mm-hmm. Everything was like rap, gangster, be that sassy, sexy video girl. And I'm like, that's not me for sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But then not mm-hmm. having anything else or having mm-hmm. to dig at the comic book store or having to dig in the, in, you know, on the cable TV for representations of me. Mm-hmm. That didn't fit those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And so if we're talking again, just going back to that question of what's generational curses, I think we're constantly talking about it in terms of abuse and you know diagnosis, but we're not always talking about it in terms of entertainment and media that's constantly mm-hmm. forced these really negative stereotypes into our lives that for Black people, we've been trying to get out of since then, literally. Yeah, the media diet. And I know that's one of the things I've said to some others, not just here on the podcast, but in other situations, like what is being fed to us? for that particular thought. And while we were on the sort of the break there, we were talking again about our fandoms and so forth. And my three fantasy role models that I built my sort of built part of my, most of my personality off of was number one, the doctor from doctor who two was Spock 
because as a child growing up essentially here in the West Coast and in the area here in Silicon Valley, I was often the only black kid in my classes. So I felt more connection with Spock than I did with Uhura, just for the sense of there was the emotional connection being isolated and the only one of something there present. Um, and then the third one, which was, was kind of a surprise when I told you, was Barney from Mission Impossible. Because if you look at that series, he's the only consistent character from beginning to end. And he's the engineer compared to all the other characters go for the muscle, the, the, the leader and so forth. He is the engineer. He is the most consistent character through that entire series. And how that translates into what we're dealing with that aspect of the generational trauma. Because yeah, I'm again, grew up in time by most of my childhood is in the eighties going into the nineties. to be honest, NWA, I knew who they were. They weren't a music system that was in my house. So when others started talking about how they connected with him, it's like, no. I was actually connecting more with Whitney, the, Whitney Houston, than I was with uh, Easy e because it was what was playing in my house, what was allowed. And again, because of the fact that I was a nerd, I wasn't, that wasn't the thing that I was connecting with. So again, I'm isolated. And that it's itself is another form of that generational trauma mm, yes. through just the media that allows us to dream. But also then what are we allowing our people, our clients, our, these families to dream as well? Yes. I love that. That media in this entertainment space is supposed to allow us to dream. And if you don't even see yourself, how can you? Mm. that's so powerful. And I think it goes back to now, I have to say, as you were talking, I was like, who are my people? Who did I shape? And so you probably can't see this, but my wedding mm -hmm. ring is actually Batman. It's, it's a Batman <laughs> symbol. There and is so a new Batman I, in the future that is black. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> and again, it's in my three comic stack to read too. So. Uh, I, I really resonate with mm -hmm. Batman, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if I was going to say, who are my three I think for sure Batman is all three, but if mm -hmm. I wanted to be expansive, it would have probably been Batman, Storm, and Rogue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Rogue could not touch people, but she knew exactly how to help people. Mm -hmm. and she knew exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. I love that Storm always knew how to be the quiet leader. She, like I've mm -hmm. always said, she's the leader. I've always addressed her as the leader of the X-Men, but she knew how to be quiet. She knew how to help. She knew when, when Scott would freak out and get overwhelmed by whatever psychological warfare was happening, she could keep her calm, get everyone back to the ship and get everyone back to the mansion, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, Batman, his whole aesthetic is me. Mm -hmm. And so he lost his parents at a young age. So did I. That loss spurred him into who he is as the Cape Crusader. It's the only reason why I became a social worker is because of my childhood. And we lost our parents in really tragic ways, and so did I. Mm -hmm. And so I think that loss of innocence that Bruce Wayne feels at that young age is what I've always felt. And I've always felt like I've had to take care of myself and make sure that others are cared for as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you were in the master class with uh, Dr. Grant. Sadly, I had to miss it because there was another meeting I had to be somewhere else for. I really wanted to. Ugh. So I'll tell you this. I did one of the demos. Mm -hmm. In the demo, he said, I, I revealed to him that, you know, I really mm -hmm. fashioned myself after Batman. David said to me, Mercedes, what do you think Batman would be if he was healed? And I said, I don't know. He said, I think he'd be better. 
Mm-hmm. And I say that because we're talking about that generational stuff that for someone like Batman, he can't. He that is that's ingrained in him. I don't know if you've seen the Robert Pattinson Batman yet, but mm, it's, it's yet. ingrained in him. Right? He can't stop this vengeance. He can't stop this crusade because he can't heal. Yeah, right? he's trapped in the past. That. Right. Right. And then for David to have said that to me, someone who also was trapped in my past, someone who's also like, I got to do it. I got to keep going. Mm-hmm. I thought, what a wonderful sense of healing, just going back to how beautiful brain spotting is, but what a beautiful sense of healing in that generational space of, mm-hmm. I have always seen myself as this Batman type character where I have to be Bruce Wayne on the surface, but I'm really Batman who's out there, you know, saving people. Mm-hmm. And to see that, number one, there will be a Black Batman. Hopefully, they'll do it live action, right? So that way he can get the notoriety he deserves. I think they're mm-hmm. talking about doing a Black Superman with Michael B. Jordan. Like, I'm excited <laughs> to see it. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea is what we just talked about, that generational curse that for both of us, right, it's really hard for us to have even fashioned ourselves after African-American or even people of color because they just weren't at the forefront, right? Even knowing that we had these these African-American counterparts, they weren't the heroes or the leaders, they were kind of in the back. And mm-hmm. so for a whole generation of Black kids, you and I, right, and several others, our identities are really shaped by these white heroes. And for me, I think the generational curse or the generational breaking of the curse is Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? It is, we no longer have to have a whole generation of kids who only see white superheroes. I'm hoping that when you do this in 20 years and there's a kid who gets to talk to you, they're going to say their three people are, you know, Wakabi, T'Challa, and Killmonger, right? Like those are, right? or whoever else, you know, <laughs> Sam, or, you know, it's like, I really want that to be part of our kids at that breaking of the generational curse where my niece, her favorite Disney princess is Tiana. Beautiful. When I tell you I get her everything Tiana I see, because I didn't get that. All I had mm. was Belle, Ariel, and Cinderella. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so that she gets to grow up with a Black princess, I'm like, oh, yay, I'll buy you any Tiana thing you want. You know, and that's yeah. the breaking yeah. of yeah. The, the generational curse, if you will, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. Comes, yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah, equally, I just, I, I just don't want to go on dealing with Disney and their sanitizing Oh, history yes. as well <laughs> but i do get what you're saying i completely yes, agree yes, get what yes, you're saying yes, about yes, that yes. too because yes, uh, yes, i know yes, 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 also yes. from those who have listened know i'm a star trek fan so it's also adding in not just Hohura, but captain cisco captain burnham uh and with the new series uh far beyond the stars uh, no the uh brave new worlds that's coming up uh have hopefully dr mbaku or no mm-hmm. mbenga that's it dr mbenga as well yeah but see all these kids now get to watch Star Trek with so many more, mm-hmm. right? People of color in it. Um, and I love that. I love, love that. I don't, again, I agree with you, Harry. I don't always love the studios who are doing it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way that Star Wars did John Boyega was horrible, but oh yes, uh, there's still a group mm-hmm. of kids who get to see him. Mm-hmm. They get to play Finn, right? And, and also so Rose I, Tran too. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Right. And so it's like, Yes, the studios, I'll I'll go even further. Let's do Cyborg, right? Mm, Ray mm. Fisher, right? It's like, totally did these people dirty, but they can't stop the fact that there's a a Cyborg now that kids get to see. They can't Mm -hmm. stop the fact, right, that they get to see Asian Americans be in Star Wars. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so I say that because, yeah, the behind the scenes is 
for quote, you know, for lack of a better word, really shitty. I agree. But knowing that my niece gets to have a black princess, because she is four, so she doesn't know anything about the Disney and the politics, she'll learn as she gets older. But the fact that she got to go to Disneyland and amongst all the princesses, she ran, my sister said she ran to the Tiana. She had to stop her because she was running in front of other kids. (laughs) Like, no, no, we have to wait our turn. (laughs) But she ran to the Tiana. She ran past all the other ladies, Mm -hmm. right? And ran to the Tiana. And to me, that speaks volumes about that breaking of that generational curse where for her, she's going to grow up with a Black princess. She's going to grow up knowing that she was worthy enough to be part of the Disney princess lineup. Whereas mm-hmm. I grew up thinking, well, Ariel has red hair. Right. So I guess she's not like the other ones, you know what I mean? And I, I say that again, just for you too, right? You grew up with Star Trek where it was like, Uhuru. So who else do yeah. I pick from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's yeah. so upsetting that for us, we got one black person, hopefully in the cast, hopefully or on the cover, hopefully, but that was all we could pick from. So if we didn't identify with them, we had to go find one of the other people to identify with. Mm-hmm. And I think now our kids get so much more to identify with. They don't just have to have one black superhero. They have many. They don't mm-hmm. have to have just one, you know, heroine. They have many. And I mm-hmm. love that now. Mm-hmm. I love that kids get to pick, that black kids get to see all these superheroes. And it's not just two black people they get to pick from. It's like 10 or 15 Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can still pick the white superheroes if they want. I don't mind that. That's not an issue. I still love Ariel, right? She's still great, right? Captain America's great. Like all these people are great. Obviously, Batman's my favorite. But mm-hmm. I think what I love now is the option. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not just Batman. I get to turn over here and see a Black version of him, mm-hmm. right? It's not just the boys who get to be superheroes. We also have female superheroes coming out now and doing things. I love what they're doing with the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Right? So now we've got white African-American and I want to be cautious of what um, Kamala Khan's uh, identity is, but I'm not going to say it because I don't know for sure. Right. But, but, I, it, but it from the basically, uh, and even the term for the area is still stuck in the aspect of Eurocentric based around mm-hmm. the world. Um, but Yes, yes. Essentially. Shang-Chi, you know, like yeah. we, we have more representation is what I'm kind of getting at. And again, yeah. I'm just going to be completely honest and say, sorry about that. I need to be more mindful, but I love that our girls also get to have more. So it's not just the cultural aspect in terms of race and ethnicity, also gender wise, girls mm-hmm. always had to pick the boys, right? Mm-hmm. I had to pick Batman <laughs> because mm-hmm. Batgirl mm-hmm. and everyone else wasn't out there as much. And so it's like, even girls now get to say, I can be Captain Marvel. I can be Okoye. I can mm-hmm. be like you can be sure. Oh, right? I can be sure. I wrote about that in the book, right? Where statistically, black girls are out of STEM by the time they're in fourth and fifth grade. Statistically, mm-hmm. right? And so to see Shuri, who's a teenager and she's in high school mm-hmm. and probably going to college, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can do STEM into yes, yes. And so I think there's that aspect now that it's not that we're trying to get rid of the white superheroes. They're there, duh. Mm -hmm. But it's like, can we populate this with more characters of color who are not just the sidekicks or the wise sages? Can we be the heroes too? Can we get Mm -hmm. some suits and be a part of the team lineup and like fight? Mm -hmm. Like, can we do the same thing? Or are we always Mm going to just give everybody tea and send them on their journey as a wise sage? Like, I don't want to be a wise sage. I'm not. Which also underlines one of the biggest things that um, also in those stories is like, the sage had to have a journey to become the sage. And that's not a story that often gets seen. Mm-hmm. It's usually the more um, 
It's it's Luke. It's um, um, God. I'm not, again, one of those moments where it's blanking completely on my head. I mean, it, it's not Simba. It's not. Um, so let me let me just switch to the sages. I mean, obviously, one of the classic ones is Merlin. Yeah. But I mean, we got Rafiki. We've yeah. got Obi Wan. Yeah. We've got. Uh, uh, I mean, it's like there's a journey and story there where they are also the central hero of the story. So what does it mean to actually create a story based around what they did to become this place to not just be the aspect of that hero, but then to also become a nurturer trying to help mm. those around them. Now, there is an interesting story. I know BBC did a Merlin series, but still it's that sense of the sage has a story as well. And that creates who they are. It's not just the one who can swing the sword or fire the laser. Mm. I love that. And I love that those stories usually are because, well, there we go. That. Yeah. So now I know we're on the same wavelength. Right before you said Morpheus, I was thinking, oh man, Matrix Resurrections. Right. I was thinking that just so you know. <laughs> um, but I love that you said that because I think oftentimes the wise person, and that's mm-hmm. shifted over time, tends mm-hmm. to be a person of color, right? Either mm-hmm. an Asian American, an African American, Native right? American, and, um, Native American, right? That we're offering some type of tribal wisdom, right? That, again, like you said, doesn't get talked about. So the white hero takes this tribal wisdom and goes off and uses it to become where they're going to be. But we mm-hmm. never learn what is that wisdom? Where does that come from? What culture is that? Right. What, what sacrifices they had the to sacrifices, make. Right. I love how in Shang-Chi and in uh, Black Panther, the language was spoken. Everyone spoke their native language. No one tried to, you know, let us in and tell us what it was. People just spoke Kosa. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that. And I think that's part of it. We saw that this weekend. Right. With um, brain spotting that when people speak in their native language, it's very healing. Because mm-hmm. then you don't have to try to cut through words that maybe don't fit. You just get to say it as it is. Well, it's also that thing that people has forgotten is that not everything is translatable. Beautiful. There are some things and some concepts that can only be spoken in the con- world that created the concept. Damn. English is, for many cases, a, is a bastard language because it <laughs> takes from everybody. Yeah. And the aspect, even too, as uh, I know I've spoken in other podcasts about the power of names. Names are also a representation, depending on the culture, of the conceptual thought the person is supposed to bring into the world. That was part of Shang-Chi. That was part of the narrative where they have a whole moment where when we ask, what's your name? Ask, I can see this character, her name, and then goes into how important a name is. And I love that aspect. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate that scene mm-hmm. because, again, it does. It shows what you just said, that everything's not translatable. You mm-hmm. can't translate your name. If it was created in this language, you can't translate it. Again, there's another scene in Sorry from Spoiled where like, he makes, she makes fun of him that he changed his name to from Shang-Chi to Sean, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was trying to translate his name <laughs> into mm-hmm. English once he got here. And mm-hmm. I love that they harp on that in two scenes because it goes along with what you just said, right? That language matters and not everything is translatable. So if I'm trying to change my name into English, it's hard. My name is Shang Chi. Like, how do I change that to something English? I don't know. <laughs> right? But I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting that those two dialogues happened in this movie, mm-hmm. especially because it aligns with what you just said. I'm just going to steal that from you and throw it on the internet somewhere, Perry. Oh, Everything is not translatable. God, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, have at that and with full 
full go because that is it's, it's, an, it's another form of what we're dealing with with the generational trauma with those mm-hmm. who do the aspect of reclaiming their names or going and finding getting a name given to them by an elder of a right because i know there's some other brain spotters who i think have just recently gotten back from going to senegal and one of the mm-hmm. things that happened there is a naming ritual as well and that's all parts of the ways we try to heal it's not everyone's not everyone's ready for that stage of the journey some people get lost in it some people get stuck in that anger phase like we talked about with batman so it's being aware of that um before we get into the ending question i just almost want your thoughts about recognizing that how many more of the those fellow nerds of us can also now start finding therapists that understand that too Okay, that makes me super excited, just so you know. Um, <laughs> I want to tell this story, and I'll tell it briefly, because mm-hmm. it's exactly how I know that us showing up more is important. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with this young Black boy and this young Black mom, single mom, mm-hmm. uh, two boys. Younger boy has special needs. He is on the spectrum, low functioning. Older mm-hmm. brother is having a lot of trouble at school. The mom calls me. She found me on LinkedIn, calls me this is some years ago. And she said, number one, I, I don't care how much you cost, you're Black, and you're the first one I've seen. Mm-hmm. And number two, I went on your website, and one of your blogs talked about how much you like Batman, and my son loves that. Mm-hmm. And so we go, and I start working with them. And as I'm talking to the young man, who's very angry, he's just angry. He's like nine or 10. He's Black. She mm-hmm. tells me before we start, she's scared. She's worried because the school is starting to respond to him like he's a Black man mm-hmm. because he gets angry. And so I sat with him and I said, I know a lot of people ask you to tell you about the anger, but can you just tell me about how you feel? However you want. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's the anger. I don't care if you want to talk about something else. And he said, can I talk to you about it in Minecraft? I said, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I understand it. Mm-hmm. And he said, so my feelings are like diamond armor. Mm-hmm. And in Minecraft, that is the strongest armor you can have. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants it to be like, you know, the base armor, which is just like nothing mm-hmm. like mesh. And he said, I don't feel safe doing that. He actually said, very honestly, he said, if you want to get through my emotions, you need to get a diamond sword. In order to get a diamond sword, you have to dig beneath everything in Minecraft to find diamonds. Diamonds are very rare in the game. You've got to dig. Mm-hmm. I told his mom that and I said, we got to dig for him. He wants us to find him. Mm-hmm. And she just started crying because she had been asking him, what can I do? What can I do? How can I help you? And he was just like, you got to dig for it. It was in that moment that because I understood Minecraft, because I understand gaming, because I understand that, that this young man was able to get through to his mom. You got to mm-hmm. dig. Don't just ask me. Dig. Find out who I am. Get to mm-hmm. that diamond armor. Get that diamond sword. Figure mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. See me. And I love that. Yep. See me. And I loved it because she cried. She was like, oh, okay. Like, it made sense to her. She wasn't upset. Right? Mm-hmm. And we began to work to say, how do we dig? Right? And he began to show us every session, this helps, this helps. Right? And so it was in that moment where I agree with what you just said, that as more of us emerge in the world saying, hey, I understand gaming. I understand comics. I understand you know, all the stuff that people tell you you're weird for liking. I understand it. It allows our kids then to be able to talk about how they're feeling the way we just did for this podcast. By the mm-hmm. way, we explored how through Spock and Batman, we found ourselves. So are our Black kids. They're doing the same thing. And so for us to know that, we can help them. And I don't just say Black kids. I've mm-hmm. also got Black parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sit and joke about everything mm-hmm. <laughs> you and I did, mm-hmm. right? Where I think in, in the really honesty of it, 
I want to see more of us talking about it. I definitely do. You see, that's how you found me. I talk about it all the time, you know? Exactly. I think it's important for more of us to talk about it. It's important for more of us to hold on to some of the residual stuff from the earlier years because our new kids are coming up. And I try to teach all of my kids of color, love whatever you love. Don't let anybody make you feel bad about it. It's really cool to love it, right? I try to remind my parents of color, don't think everything they do is weird. Yes, watching 15 hours of anime seems weird to you, but for them, that's where they find their, their space. That's who they are, mm. right? Um, and so I think it's really, I talked, okay, I'll stop before so you can get <laughs> to the end of this, but another time I talked to um, a Christian Black family because they wouldn't let their kids read Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them that I was Christian and that I was came from a Black family and that I was able to read it. And we talked about why. Mm-hmm. We talked about how the witchcraft and the magic is about him finding his identity, not him trying to get out of situations. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no one's ever explained it that way. I was like, right. Because most people think it's about witchcraft and devil stuff. And it's not. It's about mm-hmm. a young man finding his identity after a horrible trauma has happened to him. And she said, okay. And so the kids were able to read it because from a Christian Black mom... <laughs> Harry Potter ain't not up in my house, you know what I mean? And so, again, I think you're right. We need to start talking about it because a lot of families just, they don't know. We've never been let into that world and it does feel dangerous. It feels like that white people stuff, that devil stuff. I get it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, let's be open to hearing how does this help our kids come alive? How does this help you even find yourself? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's that generational kind of stuff we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm just going to say this, especially to those parents who, at least our our generation and so forth, is like, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan, they watched 15 hours or more of Japanese anime and kung fu fighting uh, movies that were hot in the late 70s and early 80s. That's a fandom. Yes, it is. So if you function on that and you saw what happened with Wu-Tang Clan, that's no different than what's happening with your kids right now. I love that. I love that you did that. I love that. (laughs) So uh, let me wrap up with our last questions. What do you think is a myth and reality around mental health? Um, I think a huge myth around mental health is that there is no point in talking about something you can't change. Hmm. Please say more. Um, I think oftentimes, especially when I'm dealing with uh, clients of color or families of color, it feels like, well, we can't change things. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Something I've actually learned because of brain spotting that I've incorporated into these explanations is, you can't change what's around you all the time, but you can change yourself and how mm-hmm. you're responding and how it's influencing you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I often talk to with my parents when they say, how do I change, you know, what's, how do I change the world for my black son? Right? Mm-hmm. How do I change the world? And I say, you know, that's hard. That's a longer process that you, you know, do bit by bit. But what you can do is not make fun of him when he likes certain things, not tell mm-hmm. him what type of young man to be. Right. And so one of the things I'd say is this, there's always a point in talking. Even mm-hmm. if the change isn't happening as quickly mm-hmm. as you like it. There's always, as long as you're talking, change is happening. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I want to thank you for coming on and enjoyed our conversation. Obviously, we're going to have some more uh, as we go on from there. But where can folks find you if they want to talk with you more? Uh, you can find me by going to my website, shameproofparenting.com. That's a great hub just to kind of get started and get connected with my work and learn more about what i'm doing all righty so i'll make sure that's in the show notes so thank you again this has been untying knots minds and souls untethered i'm perry clark licensed marriage and family therapist with mercedes salmudio lcsw and uh 
go out there and enjoy your geek because there are more of us out there to connect with. So we'll talk with you more later, folks. Be safe. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.